at the museum with Alan and Daniel. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Everyone come gather round, listen to your favorite sound. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We'll talk the games and all the rest about the team that we love best. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Good morning and welcome into a post-Thanksgiving episode of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdaw at C70 with me. It's always Alan Medlock at Medlock one on the Twitters. Alan, hope you and your family had a good Thanksgiving and you've somehow recovered from all the eating. Uh, I would say recovering, uh, you know what I mean? It was, we had a really good time. We, uh, we, for the first time in about 20 years, we didn't host. Uh, we actually went out to my mom's, my, uh, my mom built out, built a house out on some land about 35 minutes outside of Tulsa. Some uh, there it's land that, that, uh, Amber and I own and, and Amber's sister owns another plat out there. And, uh, mom built out there, finished up probably last summer. And it was so nice to go out and, and uh, not have to worry, I mean, help on cleanup, but not have to worry about all of it before and after company. So it's been a great holiday. Uh, it was a great break from school. And now I'm kind of ready to get back and, and get some baseball going. Yep. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, we've kind of flipped the switch. We're getting into the Christmas season, but it also means that it's, you know, really kind of intensifying the, the hot stove because, you know, not that stuff doesn't happen after Christmas, but it does seem to be lesser stuff usually. I mean, obviously the Cardinals signed Matt Holiday back in January, back when he was a free agent and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, it feels like most people get their shopping list done before Christmas. And so we're a month away from that. Uh, things are going to get kind of intense, especially with the, the owners or the winter meetings coming in, you know, a week and a, oh, just over a week now. Um, but the Cardinals have been busy even before that. We haven't done a show in a while, so I don't know where we want to start. We've got real five guys. We've got people that were non-tendered. We got the signings, and um, let's just maybe take the last thing first. Let's go ahead and talk about the signing. The Cardinals signed Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson to one-year deals with an option. I think Lynn was ten million, and and uh, Gibson was eleven, uh, something like that. I haven't. Final looked at all the final numbers, but um, you know when this comes out, you know Lynn, Lynn comes out one day, then the next day it's it's Gibson. Um, it it kind of stirred up a little bit of a hornet's nest to some degree. But uh, what what were you thinking when you heard those? Well, and I, yeah, I was probably on the other end of this, and and I'm going to lead to some eye rolls. But uh, I was I was kind of glad to see both those signings. I was glad to see him go down. I was glad to see the activity. Um, and I, and I, I'm, and I'm, uh, probably a little bit more positive on both than, than the, the general consensus would be. And I understand where that's coming from because there was a lot of talk and a lot of, uh, a lot of arrows pointing to the fact that they're going to go get two of the bigger names. And, and I think that you and I had talked on here that, that we weren't even, we were a little skeptical that that would, that would happen. But I remember putting together, like a list of, of uh, names. I said, Hey, can you see this and this? And we had talked about that a little bit more. Um, another thing that I, 
I, basically, I'm on board with both signings, and I'm glad to see that there's activity. And I think that that uh, I, I think it points to the fact that that they're going to be extremely active on a lot of things. I mean, they, there's two pitchers that they signed, and they haven't even touched the trade market, which I think is going to be the major outlier on what they do the rest of the wave because. There's some some roster pieces we could get into later that I don't that I just don't see being there. Um, one of the dangers and one of the luxuries of doing a show like this is the fact that I remember I walked a night before we did a show. I was watching a Lance Lynn start for the Dodgers, and in the back of my mind, I was thinking I could see that being a low hanging fruit move for them because he misses enough bats. And I think they missed his competitiveness. And honestly, I think that there was a little bit of regret that they didn't bring, that they limited themselves when it happened of bringing in Michaelis or Lynn, that they didn't make it a Michaelis and Lynn situation whenever Lynn walked initially. Uh, I think that uh, there was a little bit of regret on that because I, I think the organization really values Lynn and what he brings. Um, after that start, I remember talking to you and I remember saying that, I go, is Lynn going to be a fit for them next year in some way? I get to see them bringing him back in on a, on a back-end type deal. And you and I discussed it. The problem is, I can't remember if we discussed it before we started recording or not. So I don't know if it exists on another show. So one of the dangers of doing this is the fact that Daniel and I talk for probably 30 minutes before we start recording. And sometimes it blurs the lines of what makes it to the recording or not. Uh, the... Um, it, in in leaving the, this topic for me, I approved of both. I think I I think Lynn will be an improvement, and I like that chip on his shoulder uh, idea that 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 Mo said during the presser. And I think Gibson's a lot better than people are giving him credit for. And I'm glad the fact that both of them want to be in St. Louis. Yeah, I I, I think there's a lot to be said for that, and I I don't think there's anything wrong there at all. Um, I do think both guys will probably be better than what we saw last year. Um, you do have to, especially with Lance Lynn, I think you have to factor in that the age, I mean, there is a, there is a risk that it's, it's more age related than, you know, uh, variation of, of on a theme, but yeah, you, you figure that, that, that they may be better, but you know, I don't, even it better, you know, we have said a number of times on the show that, this club needs to go out and make sure that Miles Michaelis isn't your number two. Yeah. I don't, they haven't done, they haven't done that. Right. I mean, as the rotation stands right now, and obviously there's another pieces to get, but if you were starting, you're starting right now, you know, Miles Michaelis is your opening day starter. And I, and given what John Mosellock was saying in the press conference, that he was still just looking at three pitchers, even though he's got two in it, two in, uh, in hand. Um, that they hadn't necessarily looked at the trade market much. Um, I don't, it doesn't sound to me right now. And again, what John Mozellick says right now doesn't mean that that doesn't change. We all remember that Matt Carpenter is my third baseman part. Um, but if that's the case, I mean, at best, Miles Michaelis is your two next year. And um, I mean, it's it's better. I think that, you know, that you've raised the floor on that rotation significantly. But is that enough to do much? I mean, I saw someplace that maybe it was steamers or something that, you know, with those additions that the Cardinals are like favored to win the division. I, I don't, you know, that's a projection system and, and there's still a lot of moves to be made, 
but even so, I mean, it's hard to see that this rotation takes you very deep if that's the case. Um, and you got to hope the offense really clicks. So I think there's a lot of value in this. There's a lot of, and it's a lot of the Cardinals being the Cardinals, right? Cost certainty and, okay, we've got these guys we were pretty sure we wanted and 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 now we can, you know, expand our, our reach or whatever the case may be. But um, it's, you know, it's also not great optics, right? To have these two guys be the first, you know, sign both of these guys back to back. It, it when it, in an, an offseason when people are expecting big moves, um, kind of it's no wonder people got riled up. No, and that's I, I'm glad you brought that up because I that I was that was a point that I was going to make as well when I was talking earlier is I can understand why people are mad about it because there was a whole lot of pointing toward this being a uh, you know it, it, I mean I I feel like there was a lot of conversation that hey is it going to be Gray and Snell, Snell, you know, and Nola. I mean, how big are they going on this? That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I understand if, if that was the mindset, then I would be pretty frustrated as well because then it, then it feels like the lowest of hanging fruit that we had talked about. And it was almost more that the guys wanted to be – I know this isn't true, but the guys wanted to be here, as in the guys in Gibson and Lynn wanted to be here, more than maybe the Cardinals – you wanted them to be in the first place. And just because they were the first ones to answer the phone, essentially that's what it took. I don't think that's how it worked out, but, uh, but yeah, I can understand why, why there was a little bit of pushback on how it was going to work because I think there's, I don't think it's necessarily the sign is the signings that they've done already. I think it's more of the apprehension that they're going to do more because that's kind of how they've been the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. I think this does play into the, the stereotype of, of the Cardinals, you know, the low hanging fruit that they don't necessarily understand what they need because they went and got innings. There's no doubt about it, but what kind of quality innings did they get? I mean, there's, that's the question, right too. And we'll, hopefully they're good ones. We'll have to see, but, um, and there's not, I mean, Lance Lynn did have good strikeout rate and Gibson, not as much, but it, it really felt to me. And I wrote this on the sub stack, um, that they took, it took two guys to replace Adam Wainwright. Yeah. Um, because they've got Lynn, who's the guy that can be that bit of a crusty veteran and the guy that can, you know, call people out if they're necessary. And then they got Gibson, who is, you know, vice president in uh, Wayno's charity, who's talked to him as much about how Wayno has been an influence and a, an inspiration for him. Um, you know, so it's it's almost like they've got both parts of that and Wayno's personality just in, in, in two pitchers. So, um, you know, I don't know. And, and I think the other the other downside, another question is, we still don't know how much payroll really is, right? We don't yeah. know. We know that there's an X amount out there. But, you know, if there's $45 million out there, well, they've spent about half of it already. And that gets concerning. Now, if it's $60 million or $65 million, you know, this is not bad, right? You still got plenty of room. But you do start wondering if they're going to be able to play in the big, fish area and the big fish area isn't as big of a pond as we would like right i mean with aranola off the board it really kind of feels a little bit like yamiato or bust right i mean if you get a gray or you get a snell that's fine they're good pitchers but are they the ones that are good enough that you can have these you know number four guys or number three and number four guys in your rotation 
Um, I don't know. And, and, and we may find out because it's, I know that the Cardinals are going to have more than the, I think the Cardinals have a better chance at Yamamoto than most people thought, especially yeah. with the big people in it. But it's still, I wouldn't say they're the favorite. No, just because I, even Mo mentioned the, uh, the deciding fact that's going to work for a bunch of the, uh, the Far East players coming over is, uh, is the coasts are so attractive. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately for the Cardinals, L.A., New York, and Boston are all looking for pitching. So and those are the pockets that can get really deep and get really crazy, especially for somebody twenty five years old. Um, that's that will I think that's that's a scary part for the Cardinals because it's one of those where I feel like they're playing their hand right now or being hush hush about it. Where I do think they have a chance at this, but man, the spending is going to get insane on on. On, on what it's going to take to bring him over, you know, with the posting fee, you know, and in the age, it's it's going to be it's going to be crazy. You you brought up a good point though, and and even in in your uh, write up, I thought this was really good. Bringing in Gibson and and Lynn, while I support it both, I'm afraid that that even has now limited the fact of of I mean, is is Jordan Montgomery as if if they bring him in as their big horse? I mean, is that a disappointment? That's I mean, what kind of concerns me a little bit. Where I would be happy with that move, and I think it makes him better. I do wonder uh, at, if the general, if the general thought thought process is this is a disappointment. Look who you brought in, you know, type deal. I think probably, probably if if Jordan Montgomery's your best one, then yes, it's probably a little bit of a disappointment. It's not bad. No, yeah, but you know, I don't think on a. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because he obviously pitched well enough uh, in St. Louis and in Texas and in the World Series and everything. But it still feels like Jordan Montgomery should be a two on a good rotation, right? Yeah, he's not necessarily your number one, but That's he's going to have three on one I here. Gray as well. Yeah, yeah, I kind of do too. No. Um, I, it's been interesting to see people, you know, lump him in that top group, and maybe you know, maybe that's just my bias or my you know not really realizing it. But um, I've always felt like, yeah, he's he could be a number one, but not necessarily in a, in a really great rotation. You'd rather him be a number two. Um, you know, that's it, you know, to which, which limits, I mean, you know, Stell is your, is a number one, I guess, because, you know, he's two Cy Youngs and everything, but there's a lot of risk there. Yeah. Um, that I wouldn't, I really wouldn't want them to go after. So, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, it's possible they go to the trade market. Um, Although, like I said, Mo had said he hadn't done a lot of exploring of that, which was a little bit weird too, right? I mean, why are you not exploring like all avenues at this yeah. point in time? Why can you, I, I've never really imagined them to say, well, we really hadn't looked at, at trading. It's either they're focused so much on signing people and trying to keep every piece that they have offensively, or they're not quite doing their job. I, it seems seem weird to, to, to even say that, you know, I, I'm, a little bit surprised that he did, but um, because there's a lot of pieces, like you said, there's pieces that, that really don't need to be here next year. You know, whoever that is, I don't know. And you know, what kind of value they have, I don't know, but you got to figure that they're trying to figure a way to, you know, to move a Tyler O'Neill or to move an Alec Burleson or maybe even to move a Dylan Carlson or something like that, because all these guys on the, rota- on the, on the roster next year, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, I mean, that's, you know, when we were talking off, uh, you know, just through text earlier this week, 
that's that's what surprised me most about the presser and and to make me think that they're just kind of they're just kind of playing this close at this point because the it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when the culture was called out they've brought in two players to address cultural needs um, to get back to the foundation and expectations that they have but some of the guys that potentially I say guys some of the names um that potentially could be an issue on that are still a part of the roster. And they make the comment like those, like those situations aren't going to be addressed and it's not important to them. You know what I mean? Kind of a talking out of both sides of your mouth type comment. Now that's also us drawing the lines of, of one of the uh, cultural issues. And one of the, the, uh, the, the guys that may be leaving or is O'Neill quickly, you know? So I, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I kind of thought that was strange in the beginning. I was like, yeah, that's kind of a mixed messaging per se. But everything right now is also just laying the groundwork and not overplaying your hand type situation that, that Moe's is, is good. Yeah. And he you know kind of speaks in circles a little bit sometimes. But I feel like you and I were talking even after the press conference where he made the comment of, yeah, we haven't explored that market yet. I was thinking, to me, this is just completely gut feeling and – they may announce Snell later this afternoon. I don't know. I feel like that top end is either Yamamoto or the trade market at this point. I have a feeling that that's just the way that I look at it. I feel like they're trying to bring in Yamamoto for a long time for a lot of money, or they're going to move a lot of pieces around to, to go get somebody. And I know where, where glass now is kind of the, the name that you want to draw, but I think cease may be the one that makes a little bit more sense just because of the trading I would think that they probably the trading partners with the White Sox slash Rays has maybe about equal at this point, but I don't know why Cease makes a little bit more sense to me to bring in and sign for a long term. Where I'm not sure certain Glass now would be that guy, but those are the names to me that make a lot. Maybe even a Bieber type deal, and Bieber goes into one of those. He goes into that category of is Bieber enough? You know, yeah. that's I wonder about that as well because he had some struggles last year, and injury is always going to be the cloud hanging over his head. But just to handicap it for me, I feel like the the big fish for them is Yamamoto, and then that's the only signing at this point, and the, the rest may be the trade market, which is is makes me think more of the press conference was more of just a hey, don't overplay your hand type situation. Yeah, um, I don't. Know. I think it's. I, I do. I think you're probably right because it doesn't. I mean, the Cardinals have been linked to everybody, like you say, but that's some degree not the their own doing. That's yeah. That's a lot of, hey, the Cardinals need a you know pitching, and they you know so Blake Snell's a pitcher and and that kind of stuff. I do wonder. It was interesting this week to see. You know, it came out I guess through Yamamoto's agent or some interview with him. I don't know exactly, but you know that he basically hadn't ruled out anybody that he wasn't going to just go play in the, in the, uh, the coast, uh, or a big market or anything like that. He hadn't ruled all that out, which granted could be a little bit of leverage could be just trying to, you know, play teams against each other. But it's also interesting because I think a lot of times Japanese players have come over and said, Hey, you know, I want to play in, you know, Anaheim or, you know, on, you know, on the coast, or I want to be close to home, whatever. But it was also interesting that he wanted to play on a team with other Japanese players which obviously there's Newt Bar, which I think somewhat counts being how best buddies they are. But you remember back at the beginning of, you know, beginning of all this, 
the Cardinals were linked to the Matsui. Was it Yoshi, uh, Yobi Matsui? Or I can't remember his first name exactly. But um, yeah, to the point that, you know, that article from Yahoo Japan basically said they had an offer ready for him, you know. And they haven't signed him, obviously, yet. And I don't know that they will, but that would be, I think that would be interesting to see if the Cardinals like next week signed him. Um, and assuming that that's a little bit more of a data point for Yamamoto, um, it would be worth the investment, right? I mean, because Matsui's good in his own right. It, it, we have, I know we've talked about it. You, t- you mentioned it here, I think, or maybe David Jones did on my, on gateway. I can't remember exactly that. He did have some problems in the WBC because the ball is a little bit bigger and his hands are a little bit smaller. So, you know, you, there are potential issues, but, you know, I think that one, they're still saying they're looking for help in the bullpen. Um, you know, that would be, you know, two birds, one stone type of thing. Yeah, no, no, no I completely agree with all that. And it's, uh, it, it, it leads to more, <laughs> you wonder how much posturing is actually going on on a lot of these things, you know, and it's, uh, it's, uh, that's part of the fun of, of, of where we are, where we are, you know, and it's, it's, so it's funny. I don't know. My head's just spinning around this because ultimately when you and I talked about this in probably September, October about, Hey, this is, you know, Yamamoto's intriguing. My gut reaction was, you know what? I feel like these are a lot of overpays until I saw Senga. And I thought, wow, you know, he was really impressive for New York. And then it kind of sparked my interest a little bit more. And I was like, you know, I could see something like this happening. And for them to be involved where they are is even, uh, is even a a little bit more intriguing. And it, it, but it's, I'm trying to, mask my enthusiasm a little bit just because we know what this is going to take. And yeah. we also know that puke point that the Cardinals have tried to avoid for years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And I would think the winter meetings are going to be pretty darn exciting to see where it goes or disappointing in the Cardinals case. I don't know. Well, and he's, you know, Yamiyoto also said that he was going to sign after the winter meetings. He was not going to, or wasn't going to sign at them. So that's, you know, a little more drama we have to drag out and it may change all everybody else's markets. But yeah, I mean, I think the Cardinals, you make the argument that the Cardinals have decided that they need to revamp their pitching. And the best way to do that is to go out and get Yamamoto for, you know, 10 years or whatever yeah. it may be. And then, you know, you sign these two other guys to, you know, one year deals so that, you know, if they do well, they've got options, but you know, you can go out and get somebody next year, or you hope that a you know a Roby or a Graceffo or somebody develops into that. You know, or hints, or hints. You know, I, and I yeah. think those are kind of some of the outliers that, that we haven't talked about. Which it, in this whole conversation, it, it's tough right now to even bring up those names because unfairly or unfairly, they're going to be deadpanned right away. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so sorry to step on your point. No, I mean, that, that's right. I mean, you know, you don't really want to necessarily rely on those guys, even for next year. Um, you, you know, you hope that they're about ready to go. But even then, you're probably going to have to go out to the free agent market next year. But, you know, if you get a guy like Yamamoto that, you know, holds it together for extended period of time, that allows you to do a little bit of filling here and there as you change your pitching philosophy and hopefully then start getting 
younger pitchers to come up and start developing some of these kind of guys that they can't do right now. So, you know, it's going to take, and we've talked about this at different times, it's going to take, you know, kind of a, a two-prong approach of really overhauling the minor leagues, which I think they're in the process of doing, but also spending money at the major league level because, you know, just to get by until these guys are ready. So, yeah. you know, getting a guy at Yamamoto means that you don't have to do that every year, right? I mean, you don't have to, and he's young enough that, you know, you've got a lot of, of sway. There's, there's everybody knows the, the reasons for getting, but I do think it's very interesting that the Cardinals really haven't ruled any ruled that out, right? I mean, they seem to be very. I mean, besides Newt Barr and Nolan doing some recruiting, um, they seem to have an idea of how much it's going to cost, and they haven't notably shied away from that in public. I mean, obviously they're not saying much of anything yet, but they still don't. You know, I know that the the press conference for Lynn and um, and Gibson, you know, Mo talked about their outreach in Asia and, and things of that nature. And it got, you know, Ben Fredrickson was writing about, you know, the Yamamoto vibes of, you know, what was not said, but really what seemed to be indicated. Um, so I know I, I think it's I think it's interesting that the Cardinals haven't, you know, you know, there are times where on a big free agent, you know, Bryce Harper or others, that we have as fans built that case for why the Cardinals need to go get them only to see them just completely ignore that case. Right. I mean, it just not do it at all. Um, I think it's interesting that we're kind of building that case here for Yamamoto and it really does feel like the club is, I'm not saying they're taking, they're on the same page. I guess that's the best way to say that they're really interested in this concept too. Cause I, I admit when I heard about Yamamoto, when, you know, what, probably August, September or something when he started becoming that, you know, in our national consciousness or whatever, there was no way the Cardinals were going to go get him. Right. I mean, there was just, yeah. it wasn't what they were doing. And to be here where we are now, where this is, you know, it's still not, they're not the favorite, like we said, but they're still in that mix um, and seem to be actively wanting to be in that mix. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting shift. Yeah, the uh, it, it one that I didn't think was possible. You know, when we when we started about, nor did I. Like I said, I, nor did I. I thought that was the, the route they needed to go to where all the positives. I mean, way far outweigh the negatives of the money. Of course, right. we're not writing the checks, exactly. but you're just like you know, this is this is one that that could be massive. You know, for them, mm-hmm. and uh, it, even the moves this week, like you and I talked about it a bunch. The moves this week really pointed to the fact that I think that that's that, that is uh he is in the crosshairs I mean without a doubt I mean and that's uh you know and you you said you didn't think it was a coincidence that new barn Arnado were there you know at one point you know it's one of those type situations and and I don't know it's 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 intriguing right now and it and it could be a lot of fun with the in the knowing that I'm probably going to be disappointed. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I mean, I hate to yeah. say that, but like I said, any any of the decisions that we always thought make a lot of sense. Well, let's go ahead and put it this way: the ones that make a whole lot of sense for the Cardinals turned out to be like the line was just too definitive. And I go back to the Fowler signing and the Contreras signing. To where I was like, man, those that's the those have been the easiest thing the Cardinals have ever done. You could predict that, 
because most of the time they're so hard to predict and they go out of the box and and uh, and do their thing. This is one that kind of kind of draws on both sides of that argument of yeah, it's an easy one. Yes, they need the twenty five year old who doesn't who's a stud, um, and but they would never pay the money to where now they've they've kind of opened their mouth to where you suspect that 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 they are going to overpay for somebody at this point and. Mm-hmm what are the chances that this isn't going to be an overpay no matter, no matter what they do, you know, type, yeah. type deal. So, and it's, uh, you're, I thought you hit the nail on the head. They're still swimming in the, in the pool that we didn't think they would even jump in on. And mm-hmm. that, that makes it the, makes it the most exciting to me, period to where they, they made these signings. They said they were going to get three starters. They clearly have gotten two. They're waiting for the big one. That's going to really move the needle. And it seems that that's been narrowed down to one for them. I would be surprised. I just don't see them signing another one of the guys unless it's Yamamoto. And then if they, if they lose out on that, that that would be the trade market. That's that's the feeling that I get. I, I kind of feel that way too. I don't, you know, again, they might do Sonny Gray. I feel like Sonny Gray is a guy that, that could fit in this situation. But it's also, like you said, is that really truly a number one? Um, especially on this rotation, which is, you know, you've got your number two, but Michaelis isn't really a number two, you know, that kind of thing. And you got to, you know, even with Yamamoto, you know, there's the argument that you've got a number one and, uh, you know, four fours. Um, I, I may be a little bit extreme, but, you know, if you get a gray, you've got a, you know, 1.5 or a two. Yeah. Fours, so. Um, you may be right. I, I don't know. Um, it just, you know, again, I, I wonder about the mark, you know, the people that they want to move, the market's got to be low and the market that's high are people that the Cardinals need to keep, you know, like Gorman and, um, Donovan and people like that. So, you know, how, how easy is it to match up in the trade market? And, you know, is Mo just too spooked for the i mean because he's you know the goldschmidt trade was pretty easy i think because the diamondbacks were motivated to move goldschmidt and the arenado trade i continue to believe was completely orchestrated by nolan to the point that he was going to st louis and nowhere else so that was an easy enough trade to make uh you know there's difficulties there but um you know some of the trades that have been more open you know the marcelo zuna trade that did not work you know the yeah you know the matthew libertor trade that you know still judgment out a bit but not going to turn out the way the cardinals thought it would be um i don't know they may be a little bit trying to revamp how they look at the trade market too and that may be why they haven't gone that way i mean there's no telling i mean obviously they need to do a lot of stuff um and and that was one of the things that you know and we'll get to this part, I guess. You know, they bring back Lance Lynn. They make Daniel Descalzo the bench coach. Yeah. You've got a guy in Kyle Gibson who has pitched for other places. And so there is that, but also feels like, you know, he's from St. Louis and probably, you know, it's, it's like they still haven't gone well afield to try to bring in some new voices. Now, there has been, you know, we haven't heard anything more about Hein Bloom or anything like that. You'd like to see something of that nature, but. I don't know. I, I was a little bit, you know, obviously you like to see Daniel Descalzo back in the system. Yeah. But I'm just, I don't know. What, I've always, I, maybe I'm, I have the wrong opinion, but I've always felt like bench coach should be like 
the veteran guy that yeah. can really help out, yeah. right? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Go ahead, because I had a point on that as well. Well, I mean, it just it just felt like, you know, you're why are we continuing to put guys that have like limited or no coaching experience in the in the big jobs? Why doesn't Daniel Descalzo come in and be a infield coach first and then maybe, you know, if he shows the skills, become the bench coach? I you know, is it just because he's a 2011 player and we're going to make a spot for him? I, I don't know, but it seemed weird that he was your choice uh, over a guy like McEwing, which, again, I expected McEwing to move on because he was kind of that last-minute spot, you know, because Holiday didn't take it, another guy that had never coached uh, in the majors. Um, but, you know, McEwing at least had plenty of experience in different organizations, um, you know, to replace him with Daniel Escalza, who's doing his, you know, just, what a year or two away from playing and still has a coach duty I don't know how well that works yeah well and it's you touched on something that that has always that has kind of bothered me um the is how easy they've made it to hire or fire the bench coach and how it I know this sounds stupid but it almost takes away from the importance of the job a little bit Mm. like it's it's I want to look at it as a manager in training, you know, because he's the guy that gets the clipboard whenever uh, a manager gets tossed. Yeah. But the last two that they've hired, I thought McEwing was, was excellent and would be the, the type of guy kind of like a Pat Murphy type situation. You know, one of mm-hmm. these, one of these guys that have been in the coaching circles for a long time. Well, they brought in a holiday and now mm-hmm. B Descalzo, who they think will our future big league managers. Yes. With zero experience though. And I don't know if that's not the blind leading the blind on a guy that's that's brand new to managing, you know, in Marmol right. at the big league level, of course. So I don't I, the way that they've used that is is funny to me. I mean, look what the Mets have done now to give the Mets any credit at all is tough for me, period, because they seem to screw stuff up the most. But you know, they go out and get a rookie manager, but then they bring in John Gibbons as mm. his bench coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not knowing anything about either of those gentlemen. That's the kind of move that I would expect, exactly. you know, to bring the guy in that, hey, has some managerial experience or, hey, has been around the game for 30-some 30 30 years to do that. But for them to bring in two guys that they think, yes, eventually will be good managers, but th- let's let them dip their toes in the water here, that has always baffled me with them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – I don't – yeah, because – and the bench coach role is still a fairly new role, for, right? I mean, it feels yeah. like it. It's, but. Well, probably about 15 or so years now, but you know, that didn't, you know, when we were growing up, they, there wasn't bench coaches necessarily, but I, and I guess maybe because when it did come up, it was like, okay, like the, the guy that had managed before is your bench coach while you're, you know, your other guys here now, granted that does run the risk of, you know, backup quarterback syndrome and, you know, a guy looking over his shoulder, like we talked about if, if Yachty had gotten the bench coach role, um, what Marmont might have to always be concerned that he was going to get fired and Yachty was going to take the spot. But, you know, I've never understood. I mean, who was Matheny's bench coach to start with? Do you remember? God, this one should be easy. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I it stands out so much to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and 
Schilt was it even even Schilt was interesting, right? Um, because um, he'd managed in the minor, he had never managed in the major leagues. He never played yeah, in the major league. The, None of that. Uh, oh, Aldretti, Mike Aldretti was. Yeah, yeah, no, that one makes sense. Yes, I. Um, okay, who had done a little bit of coaching? Yes, um, and yeah, some there's some of that. Um, but yeah, you know, you've seen Schilt. Then you saw Marmol be that way, um, who hadn't, again, hadn't had a whole lot of, he'd done some of the minors and obviously had some success, but not a whole, no, not just years. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, I said they've used that as a promotion tool. To, that's the, like, in theory, if they fired Marmol, you know, Daniel Scalzo is in line for to be the coach and manager. And that would just, you know, I think we've seen that, you know, that's not a good idea. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, I think that would have been a really, you know, like I said, McEwing made sense in a lot of ways because he'd been in other organizations and because he had coached and all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know that it worked well this year. I don't, I'm not, like I said, I, you know, there was some talk about maybe even though they did so well in spring training that it wasn't run as the way, you know, and that's some of the bench coach responsibility. Um, you know, granted that also had the WBC in there. Um, and you've got, you know, you keep throwing people to this, you know, to do it the first year, they have, they have to, it takes a while to maybe kind of figure this stuff out. But um, I don't know. I just, I feel like that kind of person, even if you don't want McEwing, get a guy that's been in a couple of organizations has been a managing. I mean, you know, ideally, not that he would ever take the role, but, you know, somebody like a Buck Showalter or something like that, somebody that's done it, it's been there. And maybe they aren't ready to, they don't, I mean, I think Showalter would love to manage again, but, you know, somebody that might not necessarily be interested in managing, but, you know, hey, I'm going to shepherd this this young guy and, and give him the benefit of my experience. You know, I just think if you get a whole bunch of young guys, there's not a lot of experience there to be using, right? And so, you know, get the, I mean, Willie McGee's still there and that helps, but I yeah. don't know how much Willie McGee has input on the, you know, decisions of a game. Um, maybe he does, but... You know, I'm sure that they talk to, to Willie at times, but, you know, it's like, hey, you know, what are you thinking about, you know, this situation? Um, I, I don't know if they do that more as much as the bench coach does. So I don't know. It's it's a weird, I mean, obviously it's cheaper too. I don't know if that's an, an argument that goes into this, but it, maybe it does. Um, I just, I've never really cared for how they use the bench coach role. Um, and again, the skills is probably going to be fine. I'm glad that he's back. Um you know, I know they're going to still planning on expanding the staff. We're going to see Yachty at some point in time. Although, <laughs> yeah. Um, Go ahead. Well, I, I did saw, I think Bernie wrote that they went with Descalso because Yachty wouldn't make up his mind. Yeah. Uh, so it does sound like he, they were really at, at asking for Yachty to be bench coach, which is the same issues that we're talking about here, plus a whole lot of more others. And that really kind of indicates that, as much as we hope this front office has learned some things and changed some things that maybe they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to kind of go back on the, you know, if uh, Marmol has trouble that, you know, this guy's will be the next guy in line. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what? I'm not so certain. I believe that and not saying that you're wrong, but (laughs) the next guy in line is probably going to be in Puerto Rico most of the year. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I'm convinced that that would be the move that they would make. And uh, I would, I think that there was probably a lot of, you know, the, the Bernie write-up was good because it kind of pointed to the fact that, hey, he was deciding on whether to, you know, spend more time with family and or to commit to, you know, being in uniform. Things that you and I talked about to where we thought, mm-hmm. wait, maybe the in-uniform thing is not the best because 
the first three game losing streak they're going on, you know exactly what's happening. Right, you know they right. they're, they're going to be calling from Armal's head with the, with the Molina in the dugout. So I'm not so certain that would have been a healthy environment. But I will say, if they have any trouble this year, I I would assume that that's probably going to be the first call. I mean, I don't know. You may be right. I still think that I still don't think Yachty wants to put that much time time into that. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That yeah, he wants I agree. To get himself to being here every day and being in the hours. And I mean, not that he does, I mean, nobody's going to outwork Yachty Merlina. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's done this. I mean, I think that he's, he, there's some, some pull to be back at home and, and things of that nature. Um, so I, and I think, I do think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think if they had to fire mom all, they might really go outside the organization. Cause it's not working. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, good point. You know, they, they Schultz gets his chance here in San Diego, um, which is going to be interesting to see how he does. Um, but you know, obviously even though he was successful here, that, that didn't work um, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, Mike Matheny, we know all about that. Um, you know, and then you're back into Tony La Russa, who obviously is a, a whole different thing. So, yeah. you know, sticking kind of close to home these last three and, and having limited experience. I, you know, you know, I'm not sure now they very well may go to Yachty or Descalzo or somebody like that. But I kind of feel like if they fire him all, somebody's going to be interim, but they would go out looking for somebody outside the organization. I, I maybe, you know, again, that could be wrong. Um, but if they have to fire Marmol, we got problems, right? And and that yeah, may mean that yeah. it, considering that it doesn't making, happen very often, you're right. Exactly, and that may mean that Mo's not the one making the decision. Yeah, um, because not only is he getting close to the end of that contract, if this team struggles again, I think I don't think Mo gets fired because I think he's been there too long. But I do think they kind of reassign him to some other spot and let somebody else take over the overall and just kind of, you know, say, Hey, look, this, now it's time to, it's time for Gersh. It's time for Flores. It's time for whoever to run the ship. And yeah. well, you know, you get a cushy job for the next year or two, you know, until you're ready. You know, if you're ready to retire, great. If not, you know, cause I think there's value to John Mosellock in doing some of the stuff that he wanted to do when he moved to president of baseball operations, you know, long-term thinking and stuff like that, instead of having to do the, day-to-day gm stuff that yeah i because i think by now what that was eight it's probably been like six or seven years since he took that job right since they bumped him up and made gersh the supposedly the gm um i don't think we any of us expected to still be talking about john mosellock right now right i mean i mean yes he'd still be around but not as consistently as oh yeah it's john mosellock and who's the guy that actually is the gm i forgot you know i don't think we yeah. expected that well, and you know, I I always kind of laugh about it as well. Of if you remember, it was mapped out that hey, part of my job now will be to to grow the game to make sure mm-hmm. that we're not stale or whatnot. Right. And what's funny about it is that every organization's uh, president of baseball operations does the media tour now. You know what I mean? Not like they were necessarily ahead of anything. I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how it uh, how it all worked out and how it's kind of stayed exactly the same, really. Some of it is just title inflation, you know. Yeah, um, being able to 
you want to keep a guy, so you make him GM, but then you make the GM president based on operations. But it does feel like, I don't know. And I, maybe it's because I don't watch as many other people. Because you're right, there are people, some of those baseball operations are still in the media. But it don't feel like, I don't know that they make, you see them with the day-to-day stuff, right? You know, I don't know that they're the ones that are asked about the trade or the signing or something as much. Maybe they are. But I feel like at least other organizations, their GMs still have some input because you see some different names. And in St. Louis, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm sure Michael Gersh is quite a bit involved with some of this stuff. Sure. And we don't hear as much about it. But, you know, it really is difficult to understand what what the GM is doing uh, because everything goes back to John Mosellock. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, he's the face. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, and it, which is good or bad. And, you know, I, I am I'm on record. I'm a Mosaic fan um, mm-hmm. and feel like he's done a great job and has put him in this. But, you know, I, 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 everything needs some churn, as he would say, yeah. you know. So yeah. you're right. I mean, it, it's I, this could be uh, it, it, it last year. The, the 2023 season has done things that we just have not seen right. in a while in this organization. And uh, this off season is going to tell a pretty big tale about yeah, what the future is going to hold. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think this is a, you know, if, if for some reason there's another substandard year next year, I think there's a good chance that we see a lot of changes, yeah. right? Both Agreed. Up and down. And, uh, you know, I don't think, I think the club's going to be better than that. I think, you know, my, my personal feeling is if you took last year's club and ran it back, they'd be better than they were. Agreed. Completely agree with you on that. Not that they would be a 500 team or anything like that, but they might've lost 84 games or 85 games or something like that. I, you know, still enough that you need to be, you know, doing what you're doing. But I think last year was kind of the, everything that could go wrong. Yeah. yeah, You took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. I mean, Arnado didn't have a good year. Goldsmith struggled at times. It was just one of those things that, uh, you know, you would think ultimately, I mean, roster to roster, you would think that they're probably the third, third best team in the, in the division, just mm-hmm. as is right now. You know, that's, uh, I mean, it, it, not to go down this rabbit hole, but they're going to get, you're going to get more like the, the steamer projections. A lot of that is going to be based on the fact that, Milwaukee has one starting pitcher right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're in kind of in the same boat. And, you know, the second starting pitcher won't be in the organization and won't even pitch next year in Woodruff. And, and uh, those things kind of happen. But, yeah, you're right. I would think that as bad as it got last year, I think that was it is as bad as it could get with the roster. I would think so. But, you know, again, if, if you have to be at least a winning team this year. And, yeah. You know, there's no guarantee that, you know, they won't be 82 to 83 losses right now. I mean, we'll see how, how things shake out. So, you know, that could be, uh, you know, could be a, a thing that we see. Um, we've gone for about 45 minutes already. We haven't even gotten to the other other topics. So let's shift gears a little bit here and talk about the uh, the non-tender and Rule 5 kind of together. Um, yeah. Let's start with the Rule 5 stuff. They, they keep... Uh, Kloffenstein, Reverse, and then uh, Pedro Pajes, um, which kind of triggered, you know, foreshadowed some stuff. But were you surprised? I mean, were, was there anybody that you thought they wouldn't keep that they did or vice versa? Well, personally, when you when 
I felt like I was really refreshing my, I, I'm not, you know what, I'll refresh my socials and everything to try to keep up with the, uh, the latest update on, uh, on some, uh, you know, on the moves of the meetings, you know, the trade deadline, stuff like that. I don't necessarily, necessarily do it to see who they non-tender in that situation. But I did this time because I was really curious to see what direction they were going to go because I thought this is going to tell a tale. If they're going to let go of of pitching, then I think that this may point to there may be some changing coming with the, with the rotation and the mindset that, hey, we've got to add, we've got to add. You can't just run Hudson back out there again because I thought that they had kind of convinced themselves that, that hey, let's just see what we can get one more year out of him, controllable, all those situations. So to see see Hudson and Woodford go, I was uh, I was impressed. I was like, okay, those are two guys that they could have said they were going to throw in the mix. That hey, they could be fives. They they did well in the bullpen, you know, type situation. This is you know we could have used these guys considering that they they feel like they're short arms anyway, and that that may have put them in that situation. So I was glad to see that. Kisner, it was one of those that I didn't like to see it, but it made a whole lot of sense. And you were right on the foreshadowing. You're like, wait, you know, let's let's kind of see because you and I had talked about that of the, how that that is going to have to clear up a little bit of of how they're going to do it. And you and I had even talked about how how it could be a situation to where Herrera's in that trade market and mm-hmm. that, that they may try to sell as high as they can on him at the moment at at, 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 at where he is in his career high, I guess I should say, to move him along to see what else they could bring in. So to see that now they're kind of committing to 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 a plan behind Contreras makes a lot of sense. I hated to see uh, Kisner go because, but you and I had both said that he's one of those guys that will probably be the career backup and may get a lifetime contract in St. Louis just because that's that, that's something that they would do. But to see him move along, I thought moved the needle as well. It's like, hey, this is going to be a little bit of a different offseason than we've seen in a while. So ultimately, I was I was I was surprised and and uh, ple- pleasantly surprised in the moves that were made. Yeah, I um, going to um, back on the rule fives a little bit. I was a little bit surprised that they kept Pajes. Now, obviously, if they're planning to non tender Kisner, that that made sense. I was a little bit surprised they also didn't keep Ian Bedell. I, I'm going to be interested to see if some Pittsburgh or somebody that's well, that, low and doesn't put him in their bullpen and uh, keep him there for the Rule Five all this year. Agreed. Well, and it's funny because that was the name that uh, ultimately, whenever everything was done within like that that evening in the next twenty four hours, he was one of the top five names that were listed on a lot of those uh, on a lot of uh, on a lot of uh, pundits boards of Hey, this could be somebody that you can get and have some high upside. Yeah, yeah, I was a little bit surprised they didn't. And they've had so much luck in that 2020 draft that you, you think they might want to keep him, especially since he seems to be, I mean, he's had some injury issues, but he seems to be making some progress, but they, they didn't. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, the non, the non tenders agreed with, with Woodford and, and Hudson. I, yeah, I think that was an indication. It should have been an indication and we'll, maybe we'll see as the whole off season goes on, but that the mindset has changed because I feel like, if we're doing business as normal and the Cardinals are coming off a 87 win season, both those guys get contracts, right? I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're here because they're solid and dependable and you know what you're going to get and blah, 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 even though what you're going to get isn't worth necessarily <laughs> putting out there, but you know, we need innings. They both have options. We can, you know, tender them. They're not going to cost us a whole lot and you know, they're there if we need them. 
Um, I will say the the use of Dakota Hudson this year. I mean, the fact that he spent a lot of the time in the in Memphis probably was a little bit of an indication that his star had waned. Um, but I was a little bit surprised that they went that route. I was glad they did, but I was a little bit surprised. And, and Kisner. I still don't know how this catcher situation is going to go. I mean, I wrote yeah. about it. You know, is it where they're going to give Herrera enough time? Um, is it better for him to, you know, is he only going to play 40, 50 games at the major league level? And is that good for his development? But he's also been at Memphis a couple of years. Um, you know, it's still not 100%. Uh, you can't rule out him being on the trade market still, sure. right? Um because the Cardinals could easily go out and sign some backup. They could sign Kisner back. That's what I was going to say. I was like, yeah, he maybe they may know him well. Um, you yeah. know, and, and have pa- – or they they seem to feel comfortable maybe with Pajes being a backup type. Um, you know, I guess it depends on how – you know, if you're playing actual backup or it's a, oh, Contreras is hurt type of backup. But Yeah. Um, so there's a little – you know – I still think Kisner was really a good backup catcher and that that made sense, but you know, I get, I get what they went with. I, I think a little bit interesting that Juan Yepes was non-tendered. I guess there's just not the market you would think for yeah. him. Um, because, and I mean, you're already trying to trade Tyler Neal. You're trying to trade Dylan Carlson, maybe, you know, so there's, there's a lot of outfielders you got on your plate. Um, but you know, Yepes is just a year removed from hitting like one a, a huge postseason home run, and it's showing some. But I will say, twenty three was not good for him either in the major leagues or in Memphis. So I guess I mean I guess the value is not there. I, I think it'll be interesting to see where he shows goes to um, and what he does. Um, you know, maybe maybe he gets maybe he gets it going somewhere. I hope hopefully so, but. Uh, um, I would not be a hundred percent surprised if this was actually the right call. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, this is something that I, that I hesitate to say a little bit. Um, do you ever wonder that uh, the way that 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 Yepes was was handled, if that may not have been some of the finger pointing at him as well, as far as the the cultural stuff. Because he moved around a whole lot for somebody that, that was able to hit the way that he did. And not, I just don't mean on the field. You know, those were some decisions. It was like, man, he could have got some at-bats here, but, he, you know, he went down. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. wonder if that's not somebody in that in that stratosphere of, hey, he may just not fit with the, the program here. Maybe. There was obviously – it did feel like there was something – that didn't work because yeah, you would have thought you'd seen. I mean, he did go up and down a little bit this year and then he started, I think he started in the big leagues. Let me double check my, no, he came up, he came up like the, right at the first, right at the beginning. He went to, because the new bar got hurt on opening day. So he was up yeah. right after that. But you know, and he, and, and to be fair, he just didn't necessarily, it didn't necessarily click, but yeah, there were times where, I mean, could be worse. It could be Moises Gomez and it's still not getting any, yeah. any shot. Uh, and that's another name that I kind of thought we would see, you know, let go or cleared up and we still may. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just kind of, I mean, the, the moves made sense. It was, I don't think there was anybody on the, on the list that got a contract that was surprising. 
Um, so, you know, they cleared up some spots. And again, they're still, it, it does feel like, you know, we spent the beginning of this offseason talking about how much churn there was going to be on the 40 man. And there's been some, and there still can be some more. But because I think that, is the 40 man full now? I can't remember. It may be at 38. Mm-hmm. It may be 38 after those two guys. Uh, and there may be still a couple spots. But, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be quite the, you know, upheaval that we thought it was going to be. It didn't, I mean, it's still a lot, but it's not quite as much as we kind of expected because we kind of thought, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys just kind of let go because there's just not need for them. And, you know, much like the Cardinals, they don't, they don't tend to let people go unless they just really don't want them. Yeah, exactly. Always a story. Yeah, it does seem to be. So, um, I'm trying to think if there's any, that's, that's really pretty much about the week that was, if you will. Um, I, I don't know that there's anything else out there. Um, is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head? You, you know what? You know, not really. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, one, you get to Thanksgiving and then that off season really kicks in for you. Or, and, and I, you know, my blood's pumping baseball. Not only that, I mean, I, we start high school on the first, you know, of December, you know, this, a lot of things are moving and, and I'm really looking forward to the winter meetings and seeing what kind of moves are made and, you know, seeing as, as aggressive as teams are being right now of let's see if, uh, you know, something happens today. You know, there was some uh, trade wins yesterday. The glass now may move really, really quickly, which surprised me because I felt like it would be best for them to wait as long as they can mm-hmm. to see what happens with the Yamamoto fallout, with the Snell fallout, you know, here a couple of weeks. I mean, a lot of these guys are going to be off the board after the winter meetings anyway. So it, it, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what teams are going to get ahead of the market and, and see what, what, uh, how they can reshape their teams now. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there was something today. Yeah. And it's interesting. You know, I, I did write it in the Substack that, you know, Mo came to that press conference and said he didn't think these guys would be, you know, Lennon Gibson would be around if they didn't make the move like immediately. And, you know, I was like, really? I mean, these guys are that man, but you know, Kyle Gibson came out and said, you know, this was like the fastest moving free agency that he had, uh, that there were other teams interested in him. Um, I think he, you know, he wanted to go to St. Louis and I think I still feel like I may be wrong, but I feel like, you know, both those guys, it's like, Hey, we're interested in you. We'll have this dialogue. And as long as the Cardinals were in the mix, they probably wouldn't have signed somewhere else. Right. So, um, you know, there might be a little bit um, of a big stretch for Mo to say, well, you know, we had to get Gibson now because he wouldn't be there. I, I think that, you know, we've heard, that Gibson was talking about how much he's talked about going to St. Louis at some point in time, you know, had at least been in his thought. I mean, he lives in the area. Yeah. Adam Wainwright, the whole connection, but there's always been that idea of maybe pitching for St. Louis. So, you know, I think if you saw, if there was significant interest, you know, maybe they could have held off. And again, you know, maybe if, maybe if you don't sign, you know, Lynn and, and uh, Gibson on the same day, basically that, you know, people take it better. Um, I don't know. I think you know, I think those two moves coming first is always going to stir up a, a hornet's nest. Sure. But, um, but yeah, it just I it is interesting that you know those kind of guys were you know guys that did not have a good year that Gibson's kind of not necessarily been had a he's had a solid career but not necessarily anything that's just you know huge. Um, and these guys are still getting quite a bit of 
of uh, market play, then yeah, maybe that you know maybe there are a, a lot of things out there that that people are trying to go for. So we'll see. Um, uh, I I wish I, I guess the good thing with Yamamoto is you know it's forty five days. I yeah. wish that he hadn't ruled out signing at the winter meetings because that means it's at least another two weeks before we have to we have any clarity on that. And so yeah, uh, it does feel like maybe the grays and the snells kind of hold up until he signs. Cause I mean, maybe not, maybe somebody decides they're out of the market and they, they move on to a Snell. Sure. It, it, and we may start finding some of that stuff out quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Hope, hopefully we do. Uh, now with uh, Thanksgiving behind us, you feel like this coming week will be a lot of stuff floating around and then you get into the winter meetings for sure. So um, Alan and I will, Maybe be back next week, depending on how, how what kind of news is out there. We will have at least a couple more before the end of the year, and then I guess I need to start rounding up the uh, the guest list uh, for the beginning of the year when Alan gets tied up with baseball so much that we can't get him over here. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll start we'll start doing that soon. But anyway, hope everybody has had a a good holiday weekend, and uh, we look forward to talk to you again soon. But for now, I'm Daniel. That's Alan. Good night. Good night. Suter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals.